With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Excludes sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroByTMobile.com. This is Kim Meyer, host of Choose to Rise. Thanks for listening to the following broadcast on Public House Media. Welcome and thank you for joining the Confessions of a Military Spouse podcast. I am your host, Jenna Burt. I'm a military spouse of 10 years, a health and fitness enthusiast, a mom, and a registered and certified dental assistant. Again, thank you for being here with me today. And if you find that today's episode resonates with you or you know someone else that could benefit from hearing this, please, please, please share it. Also, as you guys know, I love and appreciate any and all feedback, good or bad. <laughs> so if you would like to leave some feedback, please feel free to email me at confessionsofamillspouse at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook at Confessions of a Military Spouse, or you can find me on Instagram at Confessions of a Mill Spouse. So I am really excited for today's episode because we have a very special guest with us. And um, without further ado, I'd like to go ahead and introduce you to Sarah. And she is with Secure Families Initiative. And let's just go ahead and jump right in. Um, First of all, welcome. And thank you for being here with me today, Sarah. Thank you, Jenna. I've been listening to your podcast on my Metro Right, so it's a thrill to be on the other side of the microphone. This is great. Oh, that's super exciting. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. So um, first of all, I want to congratulate Sarah on launching her website. Um, it actually launched a little bit early, correct? <laughs> yes, we made a game time decision to launch a week a week early from what our plans were. But yep, it's all out there. Well, that's super exciting. So congratulations on that. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, (laughs) um, which I tend to do a lot, (laughs) uh, why don't you go ahead and tell all of our listeners who you are and why you decided to start this project? Totally. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Sarah Strader. I am a relative, I would say, baby on the military spouse uh, spectrum. I have been married for five years to my active duty Air Force sergeant, and we've spent four years in the military. So we have lots to learn about our journey moving forward. Um, But it's been exciting so far. And I can tell you, you know, what I really appreciate about your podcast, Jenna, is you talk about all of the the good, the bad, and the ugly. And truly being a military spouse includes all of those pieces. Um, We have had hard times. We've spent about two thirds of our marriage living long distance uh, because of our desire to both have work lives, which is very hard to juggle. But we've also met some of the best people we could have ever met, Um, friends that have become chosen family. And so, you know, I I think that's probably something that most of us can, can relate to. 
Yes, I agree um, completely. And I, I love that you threw out there the good, bad and the ugly, because that's really why I started this podcast, because there is so much of that and so much that military spouses feel alone in. Um, so I started that so military spouses could feel the way that you feel. But mm. I want to say that I think it is amazing. And she's going to talk about it in just a minute, I promise. But I think it's amazing that you have started this project after only being a spouse for four years. Um, you know, <laughs> I have been a military spouse for 10 years and finally got the nerve to do a podcast about it. So after only four years of being a spouse, I think it is so amazing that you have started this project. So I'm sure everybody is wondering, what the heck is this project? Yeah, what are we even talking about? <laughs> so I guess that's what happens when you get a little bit of behind the scenes information. Um, so go ahead and tell people because I'm so excited for it. Yeah, totally. So our project's called the Secure Families Initiative, like Jenna mentioned. And we are essentially a, a resource hub for anyone who wants to get more involved in voting and advocating, uh, specifically on issues of foreign policy, which I'm sure I'll dig deeper into later. But essentially, the idea for this project came uh, when I first PCS out here to Northern Virginia earlier last summer. And I went, I was unemployed, I was looking for work, and I went to this event about military spouse unemployment. And I noticed that the way that we talked about a lot of the challenges facing military families, whether it's unemployment, whether it's uh, other economic difficulties, whether it's mental health diagnosis, you name it, we talk about it uh, as if they are isolated things that are disconnected from the foreign policy decisions that our country makes that ultimately shape our operational tempo and then by default shape our lifestyles as military families. And it's a shame that we talk about it that way because it loses sight of that direct kind of connection. And I thought, you know, it would be great if there could be a home for military spouses who want to get more involved in telling their stories in explaining to voters as well as uh, leaders in our country what it's like to live as a military spouse or family member when you know that at any moment your loved one could be called to deploy or just show up to work and, and put in a lots of time to make sure our country is safe. The experience of being that loved one is a story that I feel is really missing. Uh, Hollywood does a great job at telling the story of someone who goes and serves on the front lines, right? The gritty uh -huh. yes. wartime <laughs> movies we see a lot of these days, but there's no movie out there that talks about being a being a single parent for six months at a time or melting down in the grocery store because you miss your loved one so much and it just kind of sneaks up on you in, in that kind of way. Or the PCSs that I know you've talked a lot about on your podcast and Murphy's Law and all that. Those are stories I don't think people understand. They don't see a lot of. And I think we could use a bit more representation. So Yes, absolutely. Thanks. Uh, yeah. And so we, we started this project to kind of to help be a, a, a hub for folks who want to tell their stories, for folks who, who want to take the first step and, and get more involved in voting, but don't know where they're supposed to register or how that works when you're when you're military, because it's uniquely tricky. We just want to be able to give information and kind of hold folks hands and say, we'll take you one step along that path wherever you are uh, and help you get more involved. Uh, so that's us. That's SFI. 
And I think that's super important. And one of the things that actually um, drew me to you and into this, you know, project when you reached out to me was the fact that you are, you know, concerned with the military spouse stories. And again, that's part of the reason that I started this podcast was because I feel like we do have a story and it's not heard very often. And what is heard is almost glamorized when that's really Mm. not how it is. And um, so to have, you know, another force taking it even further for me, I think it's amazing. Mm. And I will say that I am, I don't know, you know, what the percentage is that of military spouses that either don't know how to vote whenever, you know, they are a military spouse or are afraid to vote being a military spouse or even voice their opinions on, you know, politics being a military spouse. Like I am one of those people. I don't really talk about politics. I haven't voted in I don't know how many years because I don't really particularly know how, um, because I have this home of record and that's not actually where I live and what do I do? Um, so this whole project to me is, is very interesting. And I think it's very, very important. Well, thank you. I, and it, your experience is is really common. I, yeah, there isn't a really easy answer to where you're supposed to vote and how to do it. I mean, there are resources out there. Don't get me wrong, uh, but it doesn't fe- it doesn't always feel like the resources are being connected with the folks that need it most and want it most. And so we're trying to help bridge the gap that we've seen. Uh, and I and you know, really, I think another value that our program has is uh, we're very clear that, you know, we're a nonpartisan program. We we certainly have values that we think are important when it comes to foreign policy, like making sure that our diplomatic corps is well-resourced, just as our military is, uh, to make sure that our engagement with the world is, is principled and uh, peace being an important first step. But we, you know, that is something that we can find a lot of common ground on, no matter who you are or what your personal politics are or what your background is, or if you've even, you know, decided to pay attention to politics before. Um, Really, what we're trying to focus on is the things that we can agree on and unite around. Um, And so hopefully, uh, if you check out our website, uh, maybe we can help answer some of your questions about where to vote. And yeah, when your home of record is somewhere different from where you live, it can feel like you're disconnected from the election you vote in. And sometimes that means it's not as fun to, to vote in or you, or you don't feel like you have the information to make an informed decision about how to vote. Uh, and we want to help with that as well. Yes. And for me, I think that's my biggest thing when it comes to politics, um, because I mean, I'm not a very political person. I'll be the first to say it. I don't really get involved. And the reason that I don't get involved is because I don't have the information that I feel I need in order to make an educated decision, in order to, you know, talk about it on a level of importance. And obviously, I know things need to need to change. And, you know, peace is obviously what everybody wants. <laughs> but I I don't feel like I know enough or I'm connected enough in order to talk about that stuff. So to, so to have somebody who is representing that and who maybe has more of those answers than I obviously do, I think is a great resource for military spouses because we talk all the time, you know, about politics. And, you know, obviously there's a lot happening in our world right now that a lot of people are very vocal about. <laughs> um <laughs> So to have someone who has that information and that knowledge, I think is amazing. Totally. And 
I will say too, don't cut yourself short because I think we tend to think that in order to be vocal or say anything or, or, or make any sort of opinion that we have to be some sort of expert, right? That we have to have all of the information at our disposal, the data, the, you know, have watched TV and watched all the talking heads to get all the different perspectives or whatever. But politics at its foundation are personal. It's about you, your experience, what you care about, what you see in the world around you, because you have a perspective that no one else has. And it's only when we combine all of those different perspectives that we get the best decisions. And so I I would say you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a full-time policy wonk to deserve to have your voice heard (laughs) or to deserve to vote, right? You are a constituency and what matters to you should matter to your elected officials. So I would say cut yourself a little bit of slack and, you know, I feel feel more, I, I would hope that every single military spouse feels completely empowered to tell their story, whatever that looks like, the dramatic, the mundane, you know, it, it really, all of it matters and all of it has certain implications. And we just want to help give you a few more extra tools to be the best spokesperson for yourself and your family that you could be. Yeah. And I love that you said, you know, you don't have to be an expert on it because I I do feel like, especially as a military spouse, because we're kind of in the heat of it, we, I know if I'm feeling this way, there's got to be other military spouses that are feeling this way too. Like, well, I can't really voice my opinion because I'm not an expert on it. So my opinion is not going to matter. So I, I like that you, you said that, you know, you don't have to be an expert to voice your opinion. And that's kind of what happened when I started this podcast. Look, I am no expert in military spouse matters by any means, but I know that I have been dealt a shitty hand sometimes and that other people have too. And Mm, I just wanted people to know, right? I wanted people to know that they were not alone. And so I think in this matter too, it's very important that they understand myself included that I don't have to be an expert and that the experiences that I have had are worth being heard and they need to be heard. Yes. No, absolutely. They do. I'm flinging myself into spring cleaning. I'm going to fling into spring at Total Wine and clean up on Chardonnays and fruit-flavored vodkas at low prices. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. I mean, look at, so here's a great example. Last, uh, in the fall, there the NDAA that was passed, which is basically the bill that funds military and, and other defense stuff. It included uh, certain, I, what I would say, successes in the bill, things like uh, repealing the widow's tax on survivor's benefits. Um, they passed a, a housing bill of rights for military uh, residents in base housing. Those are great examples of things that affect our community very personally. And what it took was years and years of military spouses and family members speaking up and telling their stories and reminding Congress, why these things are so important. And they finally got to see kind of the fruits of their labor years past. Do you think any, you know, every single person who showed up on Capitol Hill and talked to their member of Congress was, you know, a full-fledged lobbyist with years of governmental relations experience? (laughs) Not at all. No, they're just saying, hey, I live in base housing. It sucks. Could you help me make it less sucky? Right? That's all it takes. And that's really powerful. 
That and it's so true. And I know military housing is under attack once again. Um, you know, as with the whole mold issue. And mm, yeah, everybody that's come forward, like you said, everybody that's come forward, it's going to take years, obviously, for for this to get resolved. But all of these little steps and all of these little stories being told are what add up to that big thing to make our Congress see and to make the people who need to see, see these things so they can make those changes. But imagine if we all kept our mouths shut and nobody said anything about the mold issues that were going on and the sickness that's been caused from that. Nothing would ever get done. So I think it's a great reminder. Like you said, you don't have to be an expert. I don't have to be an expert. Just my podcast in general and talking about how terrible TRICARE is. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I had a really bad experience last night, so that's fresh on my mind. But how terrible TRICARE is, is going to be the thing that drives them to change. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned a little bit earlier about the, the moment that we're in right now, you know, above all other moments with Uh, You know, lots of things happening on the global stage, lots of tensions, lots of aggressions that seem to be piling up. That makes it really scary, honestly, to be the loved one of someone who serves in uniform. I think a lot of us are coping with that fear and we all have a different way of coping, right? For some of us, it's hunkering down, it's self-care, it's spending quality time just within our cocoon. But for some of us, we're passionate, we're angry. And we feel like our voices aren't being represented, our values aren't being represented, and, and we want that to change. And so for some of us, coping looks more active, it looks more outward, right? I, I would say this moment in particular, it, it, foreign policy is an industry that's dominated by lots of men in suits. And I think this political moment calls for more women in jeans, because we have, we're, we're scrappy, we know what it is to... <laughs> you know, make a lot out of a little. We are the point people in our families to integrating within whatever community that we integrate within every time we PCS. And we've got the passion that I think will relate to a lot of people that are trying to make sense of all of these big global factors, right? We can reduce it to something very simple, very understandable and very relatable. And so that's why, to your point about this moment being the best moment of all other moments to get involved, especially on something like decisions over war and peace. I think you're absolutely right. And that's why we launched a week early, frankly. <laughs> that's why we're existing <laughs> now, today, this year, because it's it's relevant and I think we're needed. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, I think it's more relevant now than it's ever been. And I think we as military spouses are more needed now than we've ever been. Because like you said, it's run by these men in suits. And they're not the ones that are shipping their spouses and their loved ones off to a foreign country where we don't know if we're going to hear for them for days, months, weeks at a time. You know, they're not the ones that are holding down the fort and going to all the doctor's appointments and making dinner every single night and making sure that the kids are at their 17 different activities while their spouse is gone. Plus worrying (laughs) about that on top of it. I mean, they're not the ones doing this. And so I've always, you know, said to myself and, and to my husband, it's hard for people to see things when they're not actually in it if that makes sense. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was part two of my reason of starting this podcast and why I'm so happy to have you here as well advocating, because I feel like a lot of, I say civilians, but people that aren't, you know, 
full on hands involved in the military, I think it's glamorized to them. And they think, you know, oh, well, you have free health care and, you know, you have a guaranteed income and, you know, you get to move every three years. I feel like to them, they see this glamorous life, but they're not in the heat of it and they're not in the thick of it. And they're not, you know, here whenever, you know, your seven-year-old daughter has to tell her dad goodbye and she doesn't quite understand why. You know, so to bring that awareness to everybody, I think yeah. is super important. Can we talk about homecoming videos for a second? Because <laughs> yes. homecoming videos are one of the best examples of what this disconnect that you're talking about. Yes. Right? You yes. talk about the romance, <laughs> you talk about the glamour. And, and, and don't get me wrong, people who, who film homecoming videos and are part of them, like clearly I, they, they, they look beautiful. They really do. And they, they pull at the heartstrings and they make you feel all the feels. But they're, they're two-dimensional to an extent, right? They don't fully represent the depth and the layers of emotions of, of what it takes for that homecoming to happen. I remember absolutely when I was about absolutely. a week or two away from Jason getting back from, from deployment, and I had a lot of people come up to me and they're like, oh my gosh, you must be so excited that your husband's almost home, right? <laughs> <laughs> and the way that they asked the question, they put on this, this emotional expectation. And what I wanted to tell them was like, well, yes, I, I do love this person. And therefore, <laughs> to be able to hug them again is a, is a net positive. But what I'm also feeling is a lot of anxiety. Like, what's it going to be to be together again now that we've been apart for so long? How has he changed? How have I changed in ways we may not be able to consciously realize? Uh, and yeah, what's it going to look like? I, I was I was anxious. I was stressed. But I didn't feel like I could express that because people would just look at me funny. Like, what? Are you right. not grateful? <laughs> or, or a lot of yeah. other bull crap, I would say. And Absolutely. So, yeah, homecoming videos are just this, like the pinnacle of, I think, where it's just it's incomplete with what it shows. Yeah. yeah, I agree completely. And I went through all of those emotions too whenever my husband recently came back from his deployment. And you know, while yes, I was excited like you said, I think I was more anxious and nervous and scared and all of these other feelings for him to come home because we had been living two separate lives and we were two totally different people than we were 9 months ago whenever he left. Right, right. Yeah, and it was like so, you were incubating in two different petri dishes. <laughs> yes, yes. And now we have to come together and figure out how the heck do we live together? And then on top of it, we had a PCS. Oh, yeah. And and you've got kids too, which I can only imagine makes it like 10 times harder to mesh back into yourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I was the one running her to all of these different activities that she was involved in. And he comes home and he's just kind of sitting there like, well, where do I fit in? What do I do? And, you know, you as a military spouse almost have to take a step back and say, oh, shit, I've got another person here. What am I going to do with them? <laughs> and see, this is this is exactly the, the gritty behind the scenes layer of storytelling that I just I would see as being tremendously valuable. I mean, just in and of itself. For like my own sake, I like to joke that this project is is a project of selfishness because really it's just an excuse to meet cool people and talk about my life. <laughs> but <laughs> beyond that, if we think to more noble ends, it, right. it's just it, 
I mean, I would appreciate seeing myself more reflected, my lived experience more reflected with the materials out there, whether the videos or the or the blog posts or the op-eds, you know, just to, to feel like my voice is better represented. And then think of the impact that that could have, right? Think, what if people really understood not just the black and white statistics of what it takes to be at war, but the full color you know, technicolor, texturized experience of what it actually takes, right? To, to, to fully understand the experience, the burden that is held by the families that are most involved, that carry kind of the, the responsibility to, to carry out the mission. I think if that understanding were had at a higher, more intensified levels, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like decisions would look different and considerations would look different. Our, our the talking heads on TV would sound different when they talk about yeah. troop deployments and, and, and abroad conflicts and the value of having strong diplomatic representation in order to shield our military service members from having to always be the ones engaging. Um, I can't help but think the world would be a better place. And so, you know, for that end, for the future military spouses who are going to inherit this lifestyle after you and I have both moved on, yeah. hopefully, <laughs> knock on wood. <laughs> oh, yeah. Before, and, and that's the thing, like already thinking about future military spouses, the first thing that came to my, my mouth was those poor spouses. Oh, my and gosh. It yeah. have to be like that. It shouldn't have to be like that. I mean, you know, this... This military life can be an amazing thing, but it's become so tainted because of decisions that have been made from people that are not involved in it daily and people that don't see the behind the scenes things. And, you know, every time people talk about, you know, troops deploying and people deploying and spouses and loved ones and all of this, it's always about them deploying, which I understand that. But where does it come in of? What about the spouses and families left behind? Where does that come in? Right, right. And uh, even if the loved one doesn't deploy, I mean, that's certainly the most kind of intense experience that we as families deal with. But even simply, even if they're still stateside, let's say, but their work hours are what they are. And and part of that's intrinsic. I know it's not going to change. It's kind of built into military lifestyle. But I also think it'd be wrong to assume that being at war didn't exacerbate that, didn't make it is that just simply the, the work tempo that much harder for, for loved Absolutely. ones. Absolutely. That, I that, mean, be- yeah. Think about it. When they are getting ready for a deployment, they're doing pre-deployment training. They're doing, you know, they're in the field. They're doing all of these things to get ready for this, which means they're gone even more. You know, their hours are even longer. There's so much more that happens prior to this because of this. Absolutely. Exactly. They're, They're home, but they're not present necessarily. Yep. Absolutely. You said it the best. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you, um, because I feel like, you know, a lot of military spouses that aren't vocal, or even some of them that are vocal, you know, it's really easy to get wrapped up in politics and talking about it and sharing, you know, your opinion on it. And obviously, people have differing opinions um, of politics. But I feel like a lot of times, again, myself included, spouses are a little shy or hesitant to talk about their stance on politics um, because they're worried about, you know, 
what people are going to think of them, maybe jeopardizing their spouse's career, um, things like that. So what, you know, from your standpoint, what is your thought process on that? That is definitely the number one hesitancy that we encounter when we talk to military spouses. And it's one that I can completely understand and to an extent relate to. I mean, when I, if I were to think that anything that I did or, or published ever would come back to bite my husband in the butt, you know, I, it, I would still probably do it. Let's be real. But <laughs> I, I would at least, it would at least give me thoughts <laughs> right? and it would make me like bummed out for two seconds while I thought about it. But I mean, and to an extent, look, I'm not going to. Virginia, William Hill, America's number one sports book, is now here. And we have a special 2021 offer to help you bet on all your favorite sports risk-free. Download the William Hill Sportsbook app, and when you sign up, you can get started with a risk-free bet of up to $2,021. Use promo code RADIORF. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. Let's make it interesting with William Hill Sportsbook. Say it's completely unjustified. We know that, you know, historically, once upon a time, officers' wives were, and they usually were just that, wives, uh, were were rated on their service members' performance reviews. So, you know, I, I get that that's still, to an extent, historically baked into the, the legacy and, and nature of being a military spouse. But here's what I'll say. First of all, I, I do believe the risk to, is is way bigger in people's minds than it really is. A lot of people think that there are rules about what you as a military spouse can or can't say or can or can't do, and there really aren't. Uh, a lot of the rules that dictate political activity for the service member don't extend to their married, their loved ones, because we are individuals, we are separate entities from our spouse, much as the word dependent makes it feel less so, but it is true. And the only real rules we have to abide by have to do with, you know, if we share a car with our spouse or a residence with our spouse, if we're on base, things like that, when, whenever our lives kind of overlap. And so I think people have a lot more freedom than they think they do. And part of what we're hoping to help out with in SFI is laying out what rules do exist so that you can make an informed choice about whether to speak out or get involved that's based in information and not in fear that may or may not be, be warranted. Uh, and the other thing I'll say, advocacy sounds like a really intimidating word, but at its core, advocacy is storytelling. It is anecdotal, fact-based relaying of information, right? And I would argue that telling our stories is actually one of the most patriotic things that we as spouses and family members can do to support our loved ones. So I, I joke that the military loves its briefings, right? I don't know if you've ever... Tried to, <laughs> yes, they do. Have you ever tried to do anything out of the ordinary or, you know, even considering switching insurance plans? There's always a briefing that you either have to or are strongly encouraged to attend. And that makes sense, right? Briefings are simply information sharing so that you can make an informed and educated choice. Well, why wouldn't we want our leaders and voters to be briefed about the consequences of foreign policy decisions, right? That That's at the core of it, that's what we're doing. We're, we're telling stories and we're briefing them on what all is involved. And when you think of it that way, when you, when you strip away a lot of the kind of assumptions about being, quote, political or being an advocate, and you get to the baseline of what it really is, 
I don't see how anyone could have a problem with that um, if they're if they're acting in, in good faith and good conscience. And so that's what we're trying to encourage folks to, to remember, that you're a constituency, you deserve to have your voice heard, but more importantly, it does not have to be con counter to your service member's service. If anything, it's complementary. It's, it's adding information so that our decision makers can make the best decisions possible. And I think it's really important that you, you took that and you stripped it all down because like you said, when people hear advocacy and, you know, they hear, you know, that you're advocating and you want to advocate or, or whatever the situation is, it is, and it does for whatever reason, kind of become this big, scary word. And people automatically, I think, tend to think defensively and like, well, you know, that's just going to cause an uproar and, you know, that's, you know, not going to be good and people aren't going to want to hear that. And, you know, that's going to jeopardize your, your spouse's career because you're just being a, well, Oh, but <laughs> you know what I was going to say. Um, and so I think when people hear that, it's it scares them away. But like you said, when you strip it all down, just like you did, it gets down to the core values and it can only help our service members and add to their, you know, whatever's already on their plate and and almost back them up, you know, because I feel like our service members are thinking things that we're thinking too. I know I've had a conversation with my husband and he's told me like, listen, I wish that they would take our families more into consideration. He's like, but I'm just a little peon. Like what, what is my voice going to do? So I feel like they're thinking that too. And when you strip all of that away, it, it really brings it down to its core and it makes it a whole lot less scary. And, you know, it's really just, you telling your story and your voice being heard, but in a productive exactly. way. Exactly. It doesn't, we think of politics as being destructive because frankly, a lot of politicians behave that way, but it can and should be constructive, right? It should be additive and, and empowering and lifting up. And I love what you said about uh, thinking about your freedoms as an individual in comparison with say your service member who might have more restrictions about what he or she can say. I think that is similar to kind of a, a paradigm shift that I had last year when I, I kept thinking for a long time about my military spousehood as being some sort of liability to my ability to be an advocate or a spokesperson, when really it's an asset. I, there's a lot of freedom in being the spouse, not the service member in terms of rules and regulations, but there's also, there's a there's a power to it. There's a strength to the the identity that we hold. And I think, you know, instead of hiding behind it, I think we should lean into that power, lean into that strength and, and leverage it for all it's worth. Um, think of it as, as being a, a privilege, a privilege that sure comes with a lot of downsides and sacrifices, but Hey, let's <laughs> cash in on that. Right. Yes, like, yes. like lean into that privilege. Right. And if using that, privilege uh, of being someone that people are likely to listen to and doing that in a way that makes it easier for, like I said, people who come after us as well, you know, as well as our kids, our families. I think that's the most responsible thing to do. Absolutely. And, you know, I actually had someone um, leave a review on my, about my podcast and, you know, she said that it seemed very negatively focused and obviously that was not um, 
the whole idea behind my podcast, the whole idea behind my podcast was to bring awareness to that negative. But like you said, we can use that to our advantage almost. And if we lean into that, yeah, it sucks. But listen, we can use that suck and we can take that and make something great of it. Like, listen, I understand it sucks that my spouse is gone. And here's why. Let me explain to you why it sucks so bad that they are gone and how can we help change that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Making lemonade out of lemons, so they say. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is what they say. Just add a little vodka <laughs> too. Oh my goodness. And can I say too, I can relate to the, I, I remember the one of the first people I showed my website to, they, they made a similar kind of comment. They thought, well, you're getting really it feels like you're talking really, really negatively about your experience. And I just had to, and unsurprisingly, this person was not themselves a military spouse. So I think they felt weird about, (laughs) you know, the fact that all the kind of the valor and the honor and the kind of hoity-toity tone that we're used to when people talk about the military wasn't there. And I was like, look, people are, at least in our community, we're ready for honesty. We're ready for, for raw observations and feelings, all of the feelings from, from positive to negative, right? I, I think a lot of us are craving that because that's the only way that you find actual connection to each other when you kind of strip away all the all the yeah. other stuff. So I certainly, I mean, that's the vibe I've gotten from your podcast. That's the vibe that we are trying to relay with all of our materials that we're just we're being honest. And sometimes it's not super flattering. Yep. Sometimes it is. You have to embrace yeah. all of it. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. It's not always flattering. And then sometimes it is the homecoming videos. <laughs> like you said, a prime example. That is a flattering moment. What's not flattering is the nine months that it took to right. get Right, and the two that box point. of Kleenex that are crumpled in the backseat of my car. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Absolutely. But like you said, we can take all of this information and we can do something amazing and something great with it, which is what you, I know, are trying to focus on. And so one of the things that I wanted to ask you, because I know um, it's kind of top of your list, is focusing on the foreign policy. And I wanted to ask you why that's so important and why should we focus on that so much um, so other people can hear it too. Totally. I think foreign policy is a really important place for us to focus our energies for a number of reasons. I mean, first of all, kind of at its core, it's an area that's really nonpartisan. I mean, comparatively, compared to a lot of domestic issues you could think about where where people have their opinions, they have their labels, and they kind of everyone hunkers down on their sides. Foreign policy is actually an area where there's a lot more cross cutting agreement on certain values and certain approaches. And so I think there's there's power in, in focusing on an area where so much common ground can be found. But another reason it's it's important is that it's it, it, it's an area that feels so out of reach for most of us. You know, our day-to-day lives, most of us who are normal, not policy wonks, are not thinking constantly about North Korea and Iran and you know, relations with the EU and Brexit, unless, of course, Megxit. Of course, we think about that. But uh, it's not something that a lot of uh, real people get super involved in. And I think that's a shame. I think it's it's a bummer that foreign policy is so um, 
I'll use the word again, hoity-toity, <laughs> where the, the perspectives <laughs> of everyday people is, is important. And so that's another reason that I thought it was important to focus. But of course, the main underlying reason is that it is something that directly affects us as spouses and families. Our lives are indirectly shaped by the ops tempo that our military takes on and the military's ops tempo comes from our foreign policy. It comes with it comes from how we decide to approach the world, whether we decide to approach problems as if every problem as if we're a hammer and every problem's a nail, whether this is the only thing, the only tool that we have in our foreign policy toolbox is our military. It it puts a lot of the burden and responsibility where maybe some of that could be shared with our diplomats, with our State Department, with our ambassadors and our embassies abroad. I think that there's a rebalancing that could be really valuable for us as families. I really do believe that we would feel on our personal lives uh, the impacts of a shift in foreign policy to be a little less aggression focused, a little more uh, diplomacy first. So that's, I think, the, the top reason why foreign policy is such a, an important area for us as spouses in particular to weigh in on. And I mean, that all completely makes sense because when it comes down to it, I mean, as a military spouse, who wouldn't want their spouse home more and who wouldn't want more peace in the world? And, you know, to know that our voice is being heard and people are finally beginning to understand us. And I mean, Sarah, you and I are, we're only two voices, but if, us two are feeling this way and we have these opinions and we have these stories that we can share that is going to affect these things. Think of the thousands of other spouses that have these stories as well that just need to know that they are going to be absolutely and that they're not alone. That was another uh, kind of important piece of this project is that it's easy when you're when you're military and and you move around so much and, and you become very isolated right within your family unit within your couple your family it, it, it becomes very easy to feel like you're the only ones out there you're the only ones living this lived experience and maybe you're the only one who has these opinions or or this this perspective on things but you're not you're one of thousands just like you said us as a military we are not a monolith we are as diverse as the communities that we come from and sharing our stories, not only you know because of the, the policy impact and the, the shaping of hearts and minds, but simply for establishing a sense of community amongst ourselves. I think that's valuable too, which segues quite nicely, if I can, into ways that folks can get involved. If after all of my blabbering, this sounds mildly interesting to any of your <laughs> listeners. No, that's actually exactly what I was going to ask next. But Actually, before we jump sure. into that, I want to point out, um, Sarah did an op-ed that was published on military.com. And I read that. And to be honest, my jaw just dropped to the floor. You guys, Sarah is not just some person that decided to start researching and start this project. She has so much experience and background and knowledge of what she's talking about. I will admit that I was a little nervous to do this interview because <laughs> this is A, not my strong suit, um, but B, because of all of the experiences she has had in her life, I just 
my mind was blown. And if you don't mind, Sarah, I'd actually like you to talk about that because you mentioned in the beginning um, that you and your husband had a a long distance relationship for quite a while. And she talks about that in her op-ed, which I will link um, in the description of the podcast. But you talked about having a long distance relationship because of your careers. And I want you, if you don't mind, to talk about that a little bit um, why you had that long distance relationship and what you were doing during that time. Sure. Well, thank you very much. That's very flattering of you. Uh, yeah, I we got married. Well, so I proposed to Jason for to get married the summer before my senior year of college. And we got married halfway through that year. So we were together for about nine months while I finished my last semester and we had our first summer together. But then the fall after I graduated, uh, I got the opportunity to be a White House intern. So I said, hey, honey, I love you, but this is, you know, kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity I'd really like to do. Um, I'm, I'm going to move across the country. And he was like, cool, power with you. And so for the next year and a half, uh, I was living in D.C. I started as an intern and then I got hired full time uh, to work in uh, for the administration at the time. And that was the point at which my husband went to basic boot camp. He went to tech school. And then we found out that we were getting stationed in Nebraska, which is not where the U.S. federal government is located. Uh, <laughs> no, it's sadly not. Sadly and happily, I guess. <laughs> so I, after many tears and much, you know, com- com- commiseration, uh, we just decided that it was really important for me to finish out my job while I had it and take advantage of this opportunity to do something really important and something that I knew would would help me professionally moving forward. And that he was gonna obviously move to Nebraska and we were gonna start out being apart. So we did that, like I said, total year and a half. And then I moved, joined him in Nebraska. I got involved in some state stuff uh, and found lots of good friends and, and great community. And then about nine months later, I moved again because I got accepted. I know, <laughs> it's so funny. A lot of our distance has been quote, my fault, which is a bit, uh, a bit reverse, <laughs> which is yeah. unusual. Yeah, yeah really yeah. unusual. We, our problems are completely <laughs> self-inflicted at certain points. But uh, yeah, I got, <laughs> I, I got accepted to a master's program at, at Cambridge in the UK. And if you get accepted there, you don't say no. So <laughs> right. Oh yeah, my so gosh. I was in the UK for a year getting my master's and having a blast, but also missing my loved one deeply. Uh, And get this, because, you know, poetic justice and all, I get back. We've been apart for a year. I'm so excited to be back in Nebraska with him. I've got, you know, I'm fired up with all my knowledge. The exact day that I touched down in Nebraska, Jason, you know, he's like, hey, welcome back. And then he's like, hey, FYI, just found out I'm deploying in a couple months. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I just was gone for a year. You couldn't have deployed at any point in that entire year. Right. That whole year, you had a whole year. Right. Because you know, completely within your control and totally your choice. (laughs) Of course, it always is. Duh. So three months later, he leaves. This time it was his turn. Uh, And we were apart for another six months. Uh, Finally, he got back last May and we PCS and we've We've gotten to live within the same zip code as each other ever since, which is which is fabulous. But uh, but yeah, talk about right. talk about unique trials and, and tribulations. 
Seriously. And that's one of the things that I think is so awesome and that I love about you and your story and your background and what has, you know, drove you to start this, this project um, and to help other military spouses and myself. I know I'll be reaching out uh, on a personal level. <laughs> um <clears throat> But I thought it was important for our listeners to hear all of your background and all of your knowledge and know like, hey, you're you're not just some random person that decided, nah, I think I'll I'll just dabble in this and try this. And, you know, you have that knowledge and you you have been in places that have, you know, given you eye-opening experiences. And that's one of the things that I think sets you apart from you know, other people that maybe are trying to do the same thing is that you have a little bit of the background of it. And it's definitely going to be beneficial for everyone who decides to come to you. Awesome. Thank you. And and I have been so lucky with a lot of the things I've gotten to do and, and things I've gotten to learn. I mean, some of the best lessons I've learned in voting and advocacy happened when I was in Nebraska, when I was getting involved on the on kind of the local level, whether it was getting folks to get out and vote at the city level, or whether it was working at the state level, talking about, you know, the values of, of education and schools and making sure they have the resources they need. That's where I learned a lot about organizing. And so if, you know, if folks are, in, are interested, I, I want to put that experience to good use. I want to pass it on, right? I want I want you to learn from my mistakes and be able to start at a level <laughs> that I wasn't at when I got started. You know, if, if, if I can go from zero to hero, so can you. And so I, I especially like to plug, you know, we, we've got some great material on our website that's there at any point if you ever want to access it. But one of the cool things that we're offering are webinar trainings. So, you know, the experience that those of us on the SFI team, um, shout out to my teammate, Kate, uh, who's been great at helping me prop this up from nothing. Um, she and I both have experiences about how to be an effective advocate, and we put it into terms that make sense for a military spouse, because I think a lot of the resources out there are great, but don't always connect. And so if you ever want to yes. join a webinar, we've picked a list of topics that are things that we've, you know, we've learned about. So whether that's how to, what the do's and don'ts are for being political when you're a military spouse, whether it's how to tell your story, whether it's how to answer tough questions that you will definitely get asked, or more tangibly, how do you write a letter to the editor? What even is that? And how do you make it good? How do you canvas? All of these things yeah. are, are little pieces of the big puzzle, which is getting involved, making your voice heard, and by sharing our personal tidbits and a little bit of professional advice that we've gathered along the way, we want other people to have those tools too. So that's one of the, the coolest parts, the parts that I'm most excited with our program that I would just you know, <laughs> plug if people are interested. Plus when you're in a webinar, you know, I know it's tricky times and dates and all that, but it also gives you the chance to be you know, live in, in the same moment connected with other mill spouses and, and can be, build a community with people who are similarly interested and want to get involved. So um, definitely check that out on exactly. our website. Absolutely. And I will link the website as well um, in the description of the podcast. So let's say we have spouses that are, you know, listening to this and they're super excited. This is something that they want to be a part of. What are, what are their next steps other than obviously contacting you because you're amazing, but <laughs> what is, yep. what are their next well, steps? Visit us at securefamiliesinitiative.org. There are lots of opportunities on the site to sign up, to get 
on our communications list to sign up for webinars. Even if you're, if you're already veering to go and ready to take action, we've even got some direct action opportunities on the site. And most importantly, most fundamentally, we talk about voting. So if you don't know where to register or you've registered, but you're not sure if your registration is still valid, any questions you have related to voting, our website can either answer it or you can sign up for a webinar to talk about the registration process where we can coach you through your own kind of personal situation. Um, so that's kind of, that is step number numero uno. But beyond that, we also exist on every social media platform. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you can find us. Our handles are all like secure underscore families. It is easy to find. And yeah, follow us. That's where we'll be sharing a lot of our kind of our, our materials, a lot of our content. And it and I think it also helps kind of connect with other spouses following us as well. So you can say, oh my gosh, that's a person that happens to be in my town. I didn't know she was into uh, voting and stuff. Rad, I wanna be her friend. Great excuse to do that too. So find us on social media in addition to our website. Awesome. I think that is amazing. And like you said, you're never going to, you never know the connections you're going to make. I have made connections with people in some of the <laughs> weirdest places. Um, my best friend, actually, she was a, uh, she was actually active duty and so were her husband. Um, but the way that I met her was through, we both cloth diapered, used a specific kind of cloth diapers and we both cloth diapered our our kids and we met oh my gosh small world on facebook <laughs> a cloth diapering, right a cloth diapering group through facebook so you know and one of my i run a lot of obstacle course races and one of my good race friends i met through instagram through a hashtag so social media is amazing and i'm so glad that you guys are on all platforms of social media, because like you said, people may be checking you out and they may be like, oh my gosh, I know that girl. Like she lives in my neighborhood. I didn't realize like she wanted to be this involved like me. I'm going to hit her up. <laughs> I remember the day that I met my first like Politico mill spouse gal friend. It was in Nebraska. She was working for a campaign and I was kind of working for this other thing. And I tell you, the moment we met was just this, this revelation, like, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one. I can both be connected to the military and be interested in politics. Who'd have thunk? And to have her as that friend that we could bounce <laughs> off ideas and, and commiserate about the things that we did. Oh, it was a game changer. So I would, I would definitely shout out to my friend, Heather, uh, would definitely advocate, go find yourselves, your own Heathers. Uh, and if we can help you find your Heathers, all the better. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, before we wrap it up, is there anything else that you want to tell all of our listeners? Don't be afraid of your power and your voice. Uh, now is the time to, to speak up and, and, and make your voice heard. Don't be, don't be shy is, is, the big takeaway of all of this, really, you have a lot of power and a lot of value in your perspective. Don't undermine it and don't don't hide it under a bushel, uh, as a Bible school song would tell me from way back in childhood. <laughs> like, just this is your moment. And if we can help you feel more equipped to do it and, and you know, inspire the courage to do it, all the better. But um, you've got a lot more to offer than you might think. Absolutely. And the only other thing that I would add and that I have really learned from uh, this interview is not to be scared. Don't let politics and all of that intimidate you. Um, you guys are here to help. 
Obviously, Sarah is a very lovely person, and she's not going to be one to put you down by any means. I can tell just by talking to her on this on this interview. Um, so, like I said, the biggest takeaway from me is not to be scared and and to use my my power for the betterment of everyone, myself. Mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for being here with me today. I'm so excited and so happy to have had you. Um, And like I said, I will link the um, op-ed in the description. I will also put um, your website on there for anybody who wants to find you. And again, thank you for being here. Bye, guys. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired fitness celebrity Billy Blanks. Okay, everybody. Our car just got a broken windshield. How about we blow off some steam? Now punch, now kick. Uh, Mr. Blanks, there's no need to be stressed. GEICO makes it easy to file a claim online, on the app, or over the phone. Yeah, but what if I never hear back? That's going to make me want to go jab and jab. Uh, nope. Your GEICO claims team is always there for you. Okay, do I still get my post-workout protein shake? Sure, Billy. GEICO. Great service without all the drama.